What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? No, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Off to the races, and he stays on his feet. This is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. So would you rather come out of your draft weak at running back or weak at wide receiver? Does format change that? We'll take a look at our 12-team, three-receiver PPR mock draft from Tuesday and tell you how we did, tell you what we thought, tell you why going best player available. Maybe you won't like your team so much on paper uh, before the season starts, but you have to see, of course, how it plays out. I'm Adam Azer with Jamie Eisenberg and Dan Schneier. Welcome, everybody, to Fantasy Football Today, and I want to welcome all of our listeners who are either new or who are just joining us now, and you took the off-season off. I know a lot of you, thousands of you, have been listening to every show every week, but for those of you who are just getting into it, you know we've got a lot of great draft prep for you, and now's the time to start listening. So welcome, and thank you for being here, and I hope you're ready for some fantasy football. Because, boy, do we have a lot of news every single day. All right, Jamie and Dan, what's going on, guys? Hey, Dan, you, you've, um, you've been part of the company for a few years now. You've been part of our fantasy staff for, um, what, a, a little over a year? Yeah, this is year two coming up. Year two coming up. How would you describe our podcast? Would you say it's our podcast or would you say it's Adam's podcast? Our podcast. Our yeah, podcast. I agree. I agree. You agree. Yep. However, however, <laughs> you posted on Facebook asking people to vote for our podcast. And you said, hey, everybody. Please vote for my podcast. <laughs> yeah, but who did I say that to? I didn't post that in our Facebook group. I posted it to my friends and my family on Facebook. I think that's totally different. Dan, is that okay? I said, if you have a free minute, can you do me a favor? Please vote for my podcast to win some awards. And then I put a link. I, I was saying that to my Facebook stream, okay? That, what am I going to say? To our podcast? Nobody's going to know what I'm talking about. They're going to think, oh, Adam and his wife have a podcast now or something like that? Come on. This is, this is legit. They might think you have a podcast. And I don't want that to happen. I want them to think that... You just that, said vote for, vote for the CBS Sports Fantasy Football I could have said that, I guess. A little wordy. There's a character I was, I was on, on Facebook. Another, uh, I was on another podcast, and they, they said, host of... One of the hosts of the Fantasy Football Today podcast. And I, no, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not the host. So I'm one of the analysts on the podcast. <laughs> they correct me. The reason yeah, I haven't right. found anything to say is because, unfortunately, I do tend to agree with Adam that it's okay if he posted it to his family and friends to call it that. But I don't like agreeing with Adam, so I have yeah. to try to think of think of something <laughs> that he did wrong here. So give me a second. This no, was this legit. was 
this was pointed out by the way i shared i shared oh this was someone else who mentioned it I you shared know his facebook post this is this is pointed out by our good friend nando defino i think it's uh, once he got nominated for the best male uh, podcast host i think it all started going <laughs> to his head from that point on so this, this this was the exchange i wish i could share a lot of the exchange the text can, well, can we get that. into the mock draft please <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. zoom in zoom in my, quote my podcast adam says it's facebook that doesn't count <laughs> nando said i'll impress your high school theater classmates <laughs> you don't even know what that means you're laughing you don't even know what that means <laughs> yes i do you don't know what that means adam you Essentially, what he's saying is, look, you're using Facebook as an outlet. How old are you, Adam? What, who do you expect to reach there? All of my friends. Look at. OK, so uh, none of your friends are using Facebook. Let's anymore. focus here on the topic at hand. I hope uh, we I did- just thank you for letting us come on your podcast. Can I say one thing, Adam? Actually, one one thing of promotion before that. It's not about this. It's not about this. As we get into this month of August, I just want to remind everyone. One thing we're doing is a whole lot of content. We just talked about this last Friday, and I'm looking at the budget coming up for the next two weeks of August. We're going to have a lot of great stuff going on outside of the podcast that I would like you guys to follow up and check out in addition to the podcast. Because one of the things that we always offer at CBS Sports Fantasy is free content. You're going to get sleepers, busts, breakouts, running back handcuff pieces, advanced stat deep dives, Heath's Dynasty stuff. All of that is free on the website. Just check us out. It's fun. Five, 10 minutes of your day. And in addition to that, you can sign up for the Fantasy Football Today newsletter, which is kind of a recap of everything that's going on on the mm-hmm. website from a that's content a standpoint. And news and notes. It's basically like Roto World news and notes, player notes from the day from training camp straight to your inbox right in the morning. You'll get that every day from this point on now. So that's also free, by the way. So just just a quick note on that. Go back. Let's get back into it, Adam. Yes. We the last, like, wait, no, free. hold on one second. I have to mute everybody. I'm muting Jamie <laughs> and I'm muting Dan because I have a philosophy here as a podcast host on my podcast. The best male host needs you to know we should never, and I mean this, never, ever, ever Go five minutes into a show without talking about the topic. So we're done chit-chatting. We're on to, this, to the show. Here we go. We talked about, would you rather be weak at running back or wide receiver? I, I think we definitely talked about that on the live stream on Thursday. And, and that's the mock draft we're recapping now. I'm going to put a link. We have a write-up on this already? Put a link in the chat? Yep. Okay, so I'm going to put a link in the chat. I'm going to put a link in the episode description. Uh, in a three-receiver PPR league... Do we all agree we'd rather come out of the draft feeling weak at running back? We'd rather be strong at receiver and weak at running back in this format, three receivers plus a flex, full PPR? Do you want the truth or do you want someone to lie to you? I'd like the (laughs) truth. Uh, I would rather be strong at wide receiver. Yeah. Right, we'd all if we have to pick one, weak at running back or weak at wide receiver, we'd rather come out of that, this format, weak at running back and strong at receiver, right? Yeah, I mean, for me, for me, that's basically my philosophy in all drafts, if I'm going to be honest. But go ahead. Okay, no, that's fine. Uh, yeah. Just curious, does that change in any format? Because my team, only one non PPR maybe would be the only one. All right, my team's weak at wide receiver, and I hate it. But I feel like if this were a two receiver league, I'd probably be fine with it. So, um, even full PPR, Adam, you'd be fine with this. Yeah, I think so. Two, re- like we said, like we said on the format show on uh, the Wednesday episode that we did Tuesday night. Changing the amount of receivers changes philosophy and strategy much more than changing scoring, unless you're talking non-PPR. But half PPR to full PPR doesn't have as much of an impact to me as two receiver versus three receiver. So I don't think you're wrong on that, Adam, but I do think just looking through your roster, and we can get into this a little bit more in the show, I'm worried about volume 
from your receivers. You still have to start two, and you still have to get targets in a PPR league. And there's no guaranteed volume on this roster in my mind, except for with Higgins. I know you can speculate on Tony. We can speculate on, on more and Olave, but and maybe Marquez Valdez Scantling. But you don't have really any kind of guaranteed volume when a lot of these teams that you're competing against have three, four receivers that are going to be getting a ton of volume on a weekly basis. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit okay. more. Um, but, Jamie, if you're in a two-receiver PPR league with a flex, would you rather be weak at running back or weak, weak at wide receiver? I still would rather be weak yeah. at running back. But when I, you know, I, I hate to say the word or use the, the terminology weak at running back because, like, I still think you could come out of your draft you know, something similar when we get into it, like what I did, where you just spend a lot of capital at the position because I locked up receiver early and I have a lot of high upside potential, you know, so at, at running back, you know, so I don't feel like I'm weak at that position by any, you know, any, any standard. Uh, but I do think obviously the strength of my team is in my receiving core. And let me just give the teams, obviously nobody knows what you had, but Jamie's running backs are, yeah, he took them in rounds. Well, he had the 12th pick, so he took them at the first turn and the second turn. Cam Akers, or DeAndre Swift and Cam Akers. So right there, he's, he's set. And then he has Chase Edmonds, Daryl Henderson, Ramondre Stevenson, Brian Robinson on the bench. But you have two, you know, probably must-start guys in Swift and Akers. Um, and, uh, and your receivers are Diggs, Cooks, and Mooney, plus Bateman at Flex. And, you know, you have Zach Ertz. So you waited a little longer on tight end at Ertz and waited kind of long, but not super long with Russell Wilson at quarterback. And I know you love the way your team turned out. And this is a great way to structure a team. I love that team too, but it the really way. I is. I mean, honest. there's just no obvious weakness here. It's Wilson, Swift and Akers, Diggs, Cooks, Mooney, Ertz at tight end. And right now Rashad Bateman is your flex. And you, oh, I forgot to mention you also Tyrion Davis Price. Uh, it's really, really strong. I think strong that's team. the key to it. The key to it is despite having all of that PPR boom that he got and Russell Wilson, which was the steal of where he got him, we talked about in the last show, he did find a way to get, like, and this is, goes to Jamie's point, you can still get Tyrion Davis Price, Chase Edmonds, and Ramondre Stevenson, three high upside backup running backs right there. And as we're finding out based on the news yesterday, Brian Robinson, too, you know, that was right. Before, that also, yeah. before the draft. I think, you know, the, the one thing. Um, about it is obviously our drafts go a little bit differently when it comes to quarterback. But the thing I found, you know, and, and another just piece of content that's now changing a little bit, I think for the, for the benefit of our audience is not only are we doing a mock draft review, which we always do is now Dan is spearheading a sort of a questionnaire based on our, our mock drafts, which you could also find out. And one of the questions Dan asked us was any picks you regret. And, I really couldn't find one in this team. And, I'm, and this is by far a perfect draft by any stretch, you know, but um, there really wasn't a pick that, that I found that I regretted. Um, you know, the only thing that, that I guess I would, you know, reconsider, especially getting a lot of the running back capital that I did. And, 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 and the guys that, you know, Dan mentioned or Nana mentioned, um, Tyrion Davis Price, Ramondre Stevenson, you know, the, the Brian Robinson, you know, they need something to happen for them to be, truly significant but the one thing that i would have done potentially different was instead of taking swift in the first round was going receiver receiver and then just getting one running back through the first four rounds and so instead of not necessarily having to rely on the guys that i'm relying on because i like them especially mooney and bateman as breakout candidates is you know having just a little bit of a different approach but i i was i was pretty pleased with this draft it's one of my favorite drafts so far 
Yeah, and I think a big takeaway for me just looking at your team is if you don't draft a quarterback or a tight end until, what would you take Wilson in? Seven, eight? Uh, I believe it was round eight, but I want to make sure I'm right because I don't want to pull Dan and lie about (laughs) Well, you had back-to-back pick. You took him with the first pick of round eight. so It was definitely that turn because I was considering him over CEH at that point. Yeah, so if your first seven picks are running backs and wide receivers and you're comfortable getting Russell Wilson or... Uh, Tom Brady. Well, let's see who went after Russell Wilson at quarterback. Dak it was guy. It was me with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow I came back. It was I was between, and Brady between was after too. Okay, yeah. so Brady. No, no, Bra- yeah, oh, Brady yeah. was after Wilson, oh, then Brady, then Burrow. Burrow. Uh, yeah. Dak Prescott. Yeah, if you like that range of of quarterback, then I mean that's just a great a great way to start your team of four of some combination of running backs and wide receivers with your first seven picks. Quarterback in round eight. And then Zach Ertz was a good pick at tight end as he well. Fell. He's not going to fall that far, I don't think. Yeah, but that happens, you know. And even if you didn't have him, then you'd have Cole Komet or something like that. I'm sure you'd still like your team. Yep. Okay, uh, so I do have a question for each of you about your squads, and we can do these kind of quickly here. Question for Jamie. You had the 12th pick. This was a 12-team, three-receiver, full PPR league with a flex. Uh, with the first two picks, you took Swift and Diggs. With the second two picks, you put... you picked Akers and Cooks. You took Brandon Cooks, 37th overall, first pick of round four, ahead of Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Mike Williams, Cortland Sutton, and Marquise Brown, among others. Does Cooks have enough upside to justify that? I think so. I mean, you know, he's certainly... I think a lot of the reason we like Brandon Cooks is he tends to outperform his ADP, you know, so it kind of makes even his, his... Modest production at times look better because of where you end up drafting him. But I do think that, you know, I, I like enough of what I saw from Davis Mills that I think Brandon Cooks might be even better this year. Um, I'm not so impressed and you know, the unfortunate situation with John Mechie, but I'm not so impressed with the depth behind him. You know, I, I do think Nico Collins, Brevin Jordan, for example, will have some quality production, but I still think Brandon Cooks is going to dominate targets. And I also don't know if this run game is going to be as successful, plus the defense is going to keep them in a lot of games where there's probably some shootout potential coming that I think Brandon Cooks can still be one of the, you know, top-tier wide receivers. The, the one guy that I do struggle with, and this may be a rankings change at some point, I have Brandon Cooks and Allen Robinson back-to-back. And obviously, if Godwin continues to progress, he'll move ahead of them as well. So of the guys that you mentioned, um, I was kind of waiting to see if, if Robinson, if, if Cooks was going to go ahead of Robinson, then I would have settled with Robinson. Um, I obviously, you know, like Robinson, and I like what I've heard the first few days of camp as well. So that was one that I, that I kind of struggled with. Um, and again, we did this draft before the the Godwin news where he was clear to the pup list. And so, you know, a week from now, two weeks from now, if he's doing a lot in practice, which I don't necessarily anticipate, but, you know, would be would be hopeful. Uh, Godwin can move ahead of Cooks as well. All right, Dan, question for you. You had the third pick and you took McCaffrey in round one and then you took Keenan Allen in round two. Would you have taken Keenan Allen if any of these running backs had fallen to you in round two? Already having McCaffrey. If Kamara, Fournette, or Barkley had made it to you in round two, which they did not, would you still have taken Keenan Allen, or would you have gone running back, running back to start your team? That's a great question. My honestly, the only reason I didn't go Mark Andrews with this pick is because I was a little had a little intel listening into the live stream, and Dave and Tara were just talking so much about how they didn't want to go tight end at that point. And, I, <laughs> and to me, Mark Andrews, the back end of round two is fine. I love Mark Andrews this year. I, I, I'll get into that, why I think that's my favorite pick. But as far as those running backs go, I think you're right, Adam. I think I might have cons- – I love Barkley this year. 
I've been watching. I'm tuned into the Giants, and they're just going to feed this offense through him. He's in motion every play. He caught a red zone touchdown yesterday where they put him in motion, ran him on an angle route, something he hasn't done since his rookie season. He's just going to get fed the football. So I like him a lot. I would take him there. Um, Fournette, I'm also high on. So, yeah, I think I would take all all three over the receiver there. And I don't love to go running back, running back in full PPR, but those guys, at least in my mind, have high upside in the passing game. All right, so then let's play it out. I want to ask a question here because I think had those guys been available, probably Keenan Allen's off the board. Right. And maybe Mark Andrews is off the board because how are these guys getting pushed down? And so if you had, so so you would take the running backs if given the choice. So if Andrews and Allen were gone, you would have just steered in that direction. Those three specifically, it's not any, if there's, those three just have such upside with the passing game. And and clearly Kamara's not falling there if there's no suspension. Right, exactly. So let's play it out then. So let's say you went with running back, running back in the first two rounds, McCaffrey and Barkley, let's say. And then then if, I guess in Jamie's scenario, he's right. Mark Andrews is probably off the board. His ADP is 22. Mark Andrews, uh, that was, I think, the 21st. No, I think that was 22. That was 22. Um, You did end up taking Mark Andrews in the third round. But do you feel like you're definitely going receiver, receiver with your next two picks at three and four if you went running back, running back? It depends which tight ends are there. I'm a big believer in the tight end advantage. So, I mean, if I have uh, Darren Waller falling, I'm taking Darren Waller at some point, and he tends to fall these days in drafts. You can get him sometimes in the, in the back end of the fourth. So it, it, it does depend on that. But honestly, after Mark Andrews is off the board, and you, there's really no range for me to get Kyle Pitts because I wouldn't take him in round three, So I'd, and I don't think he's there in round four. So most likely I would end up going wide receiver receiver because I'm off on – I'm not on George Kittle this year. Okay. Uh, all right, so we'll come back to our our teams a little bit later. We've got to do some news and notes. I have a trivia question for you slash a stat of the Ooh. day. Well, are you ready? I'm just hoping I can get one of these right one time. Which wide receiver joined this group? Okay, so this is a stat from Chris Trapasso, who wrote an article about this second-year wide receiver on CBSSports.com. Since the famed 2014 draft class of wide receivers... The wideouts to force at least 10 missed tackles and average at least two yards per route run in their rookie seasons are... Oh, I know who this is. Okay. Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson. So again, 10 missed tackles and two yards per route run. That's a great number as rookies. Here are the wide receivers who have done it since 2014. Justin Jefferson, Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Hunter Renfro, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham. An amazing group. group. And Jamie, since Dan already knows, who do you think, which rookie wide receiver joined that group last year? Two yards per route run and at least 10 missed tackles forced. Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I just thought that was a really interesting. It's a great story. Chris Trapasso was buying the breakout. The advanced metrics are great. Jacob Gibbs will tell you that. The advanced metrics are great on Kadarius Tony. And let me say this, Adam, because there's been a lot of negativity around Kadarius Tony because he missed, what, two days of voluntary OTAs, then showed up for the rest of voluntary OTAs. His first day at training camp was electric. Everyone who was there said he looked unbelievable out there. He looked like the best athlete on the field. He made a back shoulder catch in the end zone that showed off a skill set and a trait I didn't even really know he had. Like until going into now, you, you expect him to be one, amazing after the catch. Two, had the ability to stop and start so he could be eventually a good route runner. But the ability to adjust to the, to the ball in the air and make those back shoulder type plays. He showed it off yesterday. So I, I'm, I'm getting very hyped about Kadarius Tony. I'm going to be honest. I same here. I just like, we're, all, <laughs> we're hyped about Barkley. We're hyped about Tony. What are I we mean, doing? <laughs> what are we doing? We're back. Yeah, right. Uh, it's Giants August. are back. 
It's the best time of the year for a Giants fan. It's August. Yeah, baby. But, but I mean, look, as a non-Giants <laughs> fan, obviously I'm a little biased towards Tony as a Gator, but right. um, I I think the thing about just, you know, and I, I know you guys as fans and, and Dan, obviously with what you do for your, your own podcast, your podcast, um, uh, are, are keeping a little bit closer on the Giants. Just the 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 different feel of how practice was run yesterday, oh, yeah. you know, like a professional team and, 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 you know, a professional offense, especially um, it just seems like for, the, the best thing that could happen is if these guys stay healthy, they're going to shatter ADP and maybe even Barkley too, you know, just based on if these guys can, can stay on the field because that's been such a problem for them. The line's going to be better. Daniel Jones is going to be coached better. So hopefully he plays better. Tony has all the upside in the world. Saquon Barkley has all the upside in the world. I mean, Wondell Robinson, you know, apparently looked great as, as well yesterday too, you know, and, and playing with the first-team offense. Yep. So there, there's a lot to like about this team. Bellinger also with the first-team offense off the yep. pop. That's an interesting sleeper too. Yeah, yep. that's the, uh, the rookie tight end, Daniel Bellinger. Uh, I just think that throughout the course of recent history, you know, maybe I'm wrong here, but there have been a lot of quarterbacks where you can say, Wow, I've had so many coaches in the first few years, and they've had such a bad offensive line in the first few years, and that's the problem. That's the problem. And no, it's the quarterback who's the problem. So he'll he'll hold them back. But uh, if you think the Giants are going to have a bottom eight offense, last year they were 31st. If you think they're going to have a bottom eight, maybe they'll have enough improvement where they're 25th. But if they're anywhere from 25 to 32, I just looked up before the show started how many wide receivers on bottom eight offenses have finished in the top 24 over the last five years. There's been an average of three per season. And last year we had DJ Moore, we had Brandon Cooks, we had Amonra St. Brown, and we had, I think, one more. Um, I guess it doesn't really matter. But there's been an average of three per season over the last five years. Uh, who have been on bottom eight offenses and have finished in the top 24. You don't see a lot of top 12 guys there. I've only seen two top 12 in the last four years. That was Allen Robinson and Devontae Parker. Five years ago, we saw two more, but that was the worst year ever for wide receivers. But you do see you do see usable, uh, usable wide receivers, must-start wide receivers on bad offenses. It does happen. So that can give you a little bit of hope for not just Kadarius Toney, but any guy that you're worried about their offense being really, really bad. It can still be... A good wide receiver for your fantasy team. Uh, just a quick quote of the day. We don't even have to analyze this, but saw this from Nick Sirianni, the head coach of the Eagles. This was about Jalen Hurts. You can see he's a year further into it. Decisions are being made quicker and faster each time he gets a, a rep at it. Just like a lot of quarterbacks in this league, they get better with their decision-making over time. You're definitely going to see that. You will still see his playmaking ability with his feet. So far, so good. The quotes, at least, on Jalen Hurts. Devontae Smith said a lot of good things about him. The process is getting better for Hertz, it seems. We've got to take a break. When we come back, more news and notes. Then we'll rip through the mock draft, give you some of our takeaways, best picks, worst picks, running back dead zone. Uh, <laughs> round five running backs, I thought, were great values. We'll see if Dave, uh, Dan, and, sorry, Dan and Jamie agree. And we'll be right back on Fantasy Football Today. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. 
Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back. Here we go. We got a lot of news and notes. First, we'll start with the quarterbacks. Lamar Jackson, he's got the whole contract thing. He's practicing. That's good. Mitchell Trubisky and Marcus Mariota open with the starters, and Marcus Mariota is the starter. They said he's the starter uh, for the Falcons. Geno Smith open with the starters. The Panthers are going to split first-team reps between Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. Jacoby Brissett is going to start if Deshaun Watson is unavailable. And I didn't. I put this in the quarterback section, but Matt Patricia's called play. Matt Patricia called plays for the Patriots, which is interesting. He's been a defensive coach, and we didn't know who was going to call plays. But at the start of camp, it was Patricia. At running back, big news here, Jamie Antonio Gibson. First of all, he sat with a hamstring injury, but hope he's back soon. But according to the Athletic, Brian Robinson is expected to handle short yardage work. Gibson had seven rushing touchdowns last year, Jamie. Five of them were from one or two yards out. The year before, he had 11 rushing touchdowns, and five of them were from one or two yards out. So that is 10 out of 18 from the one or the two-yard line over the last two seasons for Gibson. So this is a guy I thought was good value on Tuesday when, when he was taken in the fifth round. And then this report came out yesterday. Do you still think Antonio Gibson should be a top 60 pick? If he gets healthy by the time we get to, you know, when the majority of drafts are happening, yes, because I still think he'll be the lead guy there. But it's just inside the top 60. I mean, I, I feel like I'm I'm just completely out on Antonio Gibson. Like, I've, I've made excuses for him the last two years. It's just been so up and down. Like, you know, when, when he's been good as a fantasy option, he's been really good. But, you know, it's taken J.D. McKissick not being there, taking the touchdowns. It's taken him overcoming injuries. And so we had, like... I didn't want to say it was a 24-hour window. We had almost like a 12-hour window of he showed up to camp in great shape with the body fat down and, you know, uh, more motivated than ever because of of the additional competition. The fact that Robinson is now getting first-team work because Gibson is missing there is only going to give him an opportunity to showcase that he deserves some role more so than just a short yardage guy. So if McKissick's healthy and Robinson's healthy, we're talking about a lot of empty carries for Antonio Gibson because if he's not playing on passing downs to the same level, and the metrics certainly speak to that, he's, he's more involved in the passing game because it hasn't been there. And if he's losing short yardage opportunities, where does he win? And so this is basically like, you know, all the things we say about Devin Singletary and why we don't like Devin Singletary, the people that are, are on that side. So I'm not taking Devin Singletary in the first 60 picks. So, yeah, maybe I'm not taking Gibson in, in the first 60 picks. Okay. And- yeah, I will move on. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is a keystone player, according to Mike McCarthy. Uh, Dan can rest a little bit easier about this mock draft because Clyde edwards Zelaire is off the pup list. Dan took him in round three. Seven. Round, okay, round seven, whatever. Same thing. <laughs> uh, Leonard Fournette is in good shape. That was a joke, by the way. I know he didn't take him in round three. Leonard Fournette's in good shape. Seems like we don't have to worry about the weight thing. Todd Bowles was praising Leonard Fournette. And Derek Henry will not play in the preseason. Let's go to our wide receiver news. Here are some hold-ins. They used to be hold-outs. Now they're hold-ins. They show up to camp, but they don't practice <laughs> because of contract issues. DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, Deontay Johnson are holding in. And Charger safety Derwin James also not practicing amid contract disputes. Michael Gallup, though, is making good progress. Dan, where are you on Michael Gallup? 
he he's not let's not rule him out for week one yet. Maybe he has an early season return. Two years ago, it was Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup as the leading receivers, and Gallup was a top twenty wide receiver. Uh, I know advanced metrics are not kind to Michael Gallup. He hasn't been very good in either of the other two years, really. I think last year he had one game with more than sixty yards. Yikes. Two years ago or three years ago? Two years ago was his. Three years ago, you're right. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, three years ago was his big year. Two years ago was the year Dak got hurt. Uh, but in his rookie season, he was a non-factor. Obviously, 20, 2020 was a mess for the passing game. And last year, it wasn't very good. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't very good. Um, where are you on Michael Gallup, uh, Dan Schneier? I'm definitely higher than market on Gallup. For me, there are some valid excuses to why the production hasn't been there. Competition early in his career, the injury at the quarterback, which made that the Andy Dalton Cowboys with the injuries they had in the O-line. That was an unplayable offense. So... Things I like about Gallup is, one, he comes in with a rapport with Dak that basically the best rapport on that offense, CeeDee Lamb, you can argue, has a better rapport because they've had more recent uh, you know, connection, but Gallup goes back farther. I also like his ability to adjust on 50-50 balls. He's been one of the better receivers in the air, and that's something that works to Dak Prescott's skill set, especially in the red zone where they lost Amari Cooper. So I'm, I'm definitely higher than consensus on Gallup, but it's, it is going to be important to see if he regains that same athleticism he had because Gallup was never a receiver who won with speed or athleticism. He was a receiver who won with a lot of the nuances to his game, almost in like a Keenan Allen light kind of way. And so I want to see if he still has that kind of athleticism to create separation and be that kind of target for Dak Prescott. A couple of things I think you look for. First off, I said this a few times. If if you want a good receiver that you can get cheap to pair with Marquise Brown, Michael Gallup fits the mold because I like that. good offense, six weeks into the season, seven weeks into the season, he should hopefully be back to as close to form as we as we hope. Uh, but the, the, the thing you got to watch is how good is Jalen Tolbert? How much of a factor is James Washington? Because if those guys are significant early on while Gallup is struggling or not playing, then clearly Gallup's not going to step in and have a huge role. But, you know, you go back to that week one game last year. We talked about this a lot. Seven targets in the first half before he hurt his calf. He was the guy for Dak Prescott. Now, that probably wouldn't have lasted had he stayed healthy with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper on the field. But as Dan noted, it's not just C.D. It's not just Amari Cooper's gone. Ced Wilson's gone also. So there are targets available in this offense. Um, speaking of gone, we have Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders out in Buffalo. And so far, Isaiah McKenzie... Uh, Jameson Crowder, of course, has been hurt, but Isaiah McKenzie has been a camp standout, and he played. Uh, he only had one game with more than three targets last year. It happened to be the only game that Cole Beasley missed, and in that game, McKenzie had 11 catches for 125 yards and a touchdown on 12 targets at the Patriots. Uh, Jamie, real quick, is Isaiah McKenzie someone that should be drafted in a 12-team league? Not yet, but you know, somebody certainly you should keep an eye on because. General soreness for Crowder, who knows what that is, but we know Crowder's had a hard time staying healthy throughout his career at times. Um, so, yeah, I'd keep an eye on on McKenzie for sure. They also like Khalil Shakir, you know, and we'll see if he gets uh, also an opportunity to get a bigger role. But, yeah, Isaiah McKenzie's uh, one of those early camp risers to keep an eye on. Green Bay, uh, they said they're not going to sign a veteran-wide receiver, and Christian Watson is going to miss some time in training camp, and Aaron Rodgers called Alan Lazard a Hall of Famer in a joking fashion, but great quote. things couldn't be looking much better for Alan Lazard right now. He's going to smash his current ADP, which was 114th as of a couple of days ago. And uh, would you rather have him, if I could do the draft on Tuesday over again, I would take him ahead of Elijah Moore. There's always this, the balance between talent versus opportunity is what drives you freaking crazy in fantasy. 
I have a feeling Elijah Moore is a better receiver than Alan Lazard. But who would you guys take more, Elijah Moore or Alan Lazard? And then who would you take, Michael Thomas or Alan Lazard? Yeah, for me, Thomas for, Lazard more. For me, it's going to be ah, that's a good point with with Thomas. I'm not sure. I think if it, if he can continue to stay healthy in camp, it will be Thomas Lazard more. I actually end up getting Lazard in this PPR draft, Adam, but I'm not sure where the 114 is coming. I got him at 70th overall. Maybe you can you can argue that's a reach, and I'm fine listening to that argument. But I haven't seen him go in the 114 range in a long time now. That's because you're doing you're not doing CBS drafts, but. In Fantasy Pros ADP, he's 114th overall. He's wide receiver 47. That will certainly change. Right, he's going to smash that. Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones is apparently a favorite target of Deshaun Watson's. And Jamie kind of mentioned this. Giants rookie wide receiver Wandale Robinson was being used in different ways. He was lining up in the backfield yesterday. And that will do it for our news and notes. Let's get into our 12 teams. Uh, one thing wide that just happened, PBR mock draft. Ryan. Okay, go ahead. Uh, sorry, Ryan Jensen uh, was a carter off the field. In Tampa Bay, Ooh. Uh, Pete Prisco's goes there. He reported that, uh, said he threw his helmet. Oh no! Not a good sign, according to Pete. No, it's really bad. That is not good. Okay, that's an offensive line that lost. And they've, they've already lost two guards this yeah. offseason. So, okay, we'll keep an eye on that. Hopefully, everything's okay there in Tampa Bay. All right, twelve teams, three wide receivers, two running backs, one flex, full PPR. Dan, what was the best pick in this draft? The best pick by anyone in this draft? That's a great question. Let me see what I have here because I, I actually wrote it up recently in the survey. Just just one more quick uh, shout out to the CBS Sports Fantasy content that you can find, again, for free on the site. But I'm going to go with the best pick by any player in this draft was Travis Etienne. And you know I'm not a huge Travis Etienne guy, but when you could get him at 58th overall like Frank did – in a full point PPR draft, I'm back and I'm all in, especially when we've been looking at the recent upside. Uh, I'm sorry, when we're looking at the history of Doug Peterson and his involvement and how he gets those running backs involved in the passing game. And even ETN, who was like, look, I don't want to just be a, an option on screens and choice routes. I want to line up at receiver at times and I can and I can win those one on one. So when you can get a running back like this in full point P- PPR at 58th overall. I think the value is really good. I was so mad when he went. It's two picks right in front of me. Yeah, it was one of those like I, so. Um, Dan mentioned this, so we do the draft for people that 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 don't necessarily follow it completely. Uh, so we do these drafts, or we we've done a lot of these drafts in our live stream, and this was one of them. And so Dan was saying like he was paying attention to what the two people picking after him on the way back, in terms of Tara Roberts and, and Dave, and he, hearing that they didn't like Mark Andrews, so you knew you could sort of play it out. So. Adam actually asked the question something like, uh, what are you looking at or whatever? And I was like, oh, there's a couple of players I'm looking at. <laughs> Knowing that um, Frank was up, but I know Robert Thomas, for example, who's our Facebook moderator, I know he was in the, the live stream. And I'm like, I, I can't say it because I know Robert will take it. <laughs> and he might have. Uh, but as soon as Frank took Travis Etienne, I was like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. I, th- this, is, this is one of those situations, we talk about this a lot, of where news is coming from right, right. and driving players Yep. Values up and down. James Robinson's return is going to drive the price of Travis Etienne down. And if you still believe in the talent and the situation, I do. Sounds like Dan does. Um, you pounce on that type of, of opportunity for Travis Etienne. Because I still think he's going to be the best back in Jacksonville, especially in this format. Right. It's interesting. First of all, should be noted. And I think Chris brought this up on Fantasy Football Today in 5. He's now the host of that show. You should definitely listen to it. Odell Beckham 
I'm pretty sure this is what Chris said. Odell Beckham did not start camp on the pup list last year. Um, and then he missed like the first two games or something like that. So just because James Robinson, Chris Godwin are seemingly ahead of where we thought they'd be and not on the pup list, it doesn't mean they're going to be ready for week one. So that's just something to keep in mind. Don't don't take this this news on James Robinson as, oh, Travis Etienne doesn't have this opportunity now. James Robinson is back. We just don't know. And yeah, Beckham missed the first two games of of the 2021 season. Um, so so that's the problem with these reports. It's like you get excited about it, but you don't really know what it means yet when a guy doesn't start camp on the pup list. Uh, but this was, I think, the first draft we've done where, where we saw ETN fall this far, and it's probably because of the James Robinson news. So, all right, that was the best pick. Dan, what was the worst pick? All right, let's go back to the survey here and go with the worst pick here. And and I don't like to do the. I'm going to start this by saying a little bit of a PC answer or a please everybody answer. I don't like to do worst pick. Let's do a pick that I think might have been a little bit of a reach. And we'll go with the pick right before it. AJ Dillon at 57. Oh, you overall. are crazy. Really? That you like a, AJ in that, full point PPR? You great, like him at 57th overall? Perfectly fine with that pick. I, well, I, love I, that I, pick. Jamie, do you love Jamie that pick? loves that pick? I do. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm a Dylan guy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. no, go, Look, ahead, love... go ahead. You're not crazy. I'm just being fun. I'm just having fun here. <laughs> no, go ahead. I, I, I like it. I love the banter. Um, but I understand that the case for, for Dylan. First of all, I love him as a talent from a talent standpoint, but we're talking about a full point PPR league. And at 57th overall, when you're taking him over players like Travis Etienne, for example, who goes one side, one pick after, you know, you're probably getting nowhere near the target share that you're going to get with, with Etienne. And by the way, Dylan did surprise some people last year, including myself with his role in the passing game. He looked natural. They, they gave him the ball. And this was all after him getting basically zero targets at Boston. Like in his collegiate career, they just didn't use him at all. So great example. Same thing we saw with Jonathan Taylor, just because they're not used in college as a receiver. Don't rule them out in the NFL as being a receiving option. But I just don't see where the volume's coming from in a PPR league here. And it, it scares me when you could get guys like ETN or some of the receivers at that point. Okay. Yeah, I mean, okay. Dan just said it again. When you can get those receivers. So this is <laughs> this is a big topic, right? This is the RB dead zone. This is we're well into it. This is round five. Yeah. And in my opinion, you know, we saw guys, we saw four running backs go after their ADP into round five. And that was Antonio Gibson, whose ADP is 40th. JK Dobbins is 49th. AJ Dillon was the one guy in this round who went ahead of his ADP. What did he go? 57th, you said? 57th, yep. He's 64th in fantasy pros PPR ADP. Travis Etienne's ADP is 44th, and Josh Jacobs was the last pick of this round, I believe. Uh, is that right, Jamie? Did you take him? Yes. And he was no Josh Jacobs' last no, pick, no, no. last running back in the round. Rob took him. Okay, 42nd overall is his ADP. So these guys all went between 49 and 60, and that's Gibson, Dobbins, Dillon, Etienne, Josh Jacobs. One more time: Gibson, Dobbins, Dillon, Etienne, Jacobs. Here are the wide receivers who went in that round: Jerry Judy, DK Metcalf. Gabriel Davis, and Darnell Mooney. So I'm sorry. I, this is where I just don't think you can win that argument and tell me that Judy, Metcalf, Davis, and Mooney are definitely better picks than Gibson, Dobbins, Dillon, Etienne, and Jacobs. And if you want to do one-on-one, on one, then okay. you can. But just in general, the group of running backs versus the group of wide receivers, there's so much risk with those wide receivers, Judy, Metcalf, Davis, and Mooney. You know, I, see a, I see a ton of risk with those running backs. Sure. Josh Jacobs, who could sure, be in a yeah. time. 
But I, but is, is are Antonio they, Gibson? Are they at clearly least with, worse than the than the wide receivers? That's my point. Darnell Mooney is almost a sure bet, fire bet for 115 targets volume wise in a full point PPR league. To me, there is very little risk baked in there. Maybe he doesn't do that much with those targets, but he's definitely getting those targets, and he's definitely going to catch some of those balls and get you that full point every time. I don't know what kind of definite points I'm getting out of Antonio Gibson. Jamie laid out a credible case for that earlier. Like if he's losing red zone work, he's losing passing down work. How is he scoring in a PPR league? I'm not sure. Josh Jacobs, similar story with behind potentially the worst offensive line in football. Definitely one of the five worst in in, in Las Vegas. So I feel like there's more risk baked in with those types of guys. I, I think the, the way that this round unfolded, at least for me, is Judy went a little too soon. DK Metcalf went a little too soon. And just in terms of where I, I come out on them right now. And the running backs, I think, and even maybe Gabriel Davis went a little bit too soon. Um, in terms of some of these running backs, and, and I think Dobbins is a little bit of an outlier. I'll put ETN as a little bit of an outlier also because if Robinson is still limited open the season, obviously if Dobbins is ready, I think their their ADP would get pushed up again. Um, but I like I like Mooney better than a few of the receivers that went off the board, as Dan just alluded to. I like Bateman better than a lot of the receivers yep. that just went off the board. And then I also think, and again, this draft was done before Michael Thomas came off the pup list. He fell into round six. I think he certainly is going to be round five or higher now that he's 100%. So there are some guys that went after not just the running backs, but also the receivers that you listed that may have changed a little bit of the order as well that may have made things a little bit different for, for the conversation. All right, let's talk about your teams here and what went right and what went wrong. I guess takeaways. Uh, Jamie, we already spent some time talking about your team and, and, and what I said earlier was Jamie, in his first seven picks, he took all running backs and wide receivers. And that set him up very nicely. And then in round eight, he took... Russell Wilson, that was the first pick of round eight. And then later on, he took Zach Ertz. Find out exactly. Round 10. Round 10. Okay. So we love Jamie's team. It, it worked out very nicely. And I'll just read it again. It is Wilson, Swift, and Akers. Diggs, Cooks, Mooney at wide receiver. Bateman at flex. And Zach Ertz at tight end. And on the bench, he has a lot of running back. He only has one wide receiver. And Jacoby Myers. But Edmonds... Uh, Henderson, Brian Robinson, Ramondre Stevenson, Tyrion Davis Price are his five bench running backs. And, and so just just real quick, uh, first off, like I said, I, I could have gone a different route. I had intended to go receiver, receiver. I, I, I was just waiting to see if Chase would have fallen. Uh, you know, I could have gone Diggs and, and Devontae Adams, and that would have been fine. I have no problem with that. Um, and then I could have gone, you know, another different route could have been just going receiver, receiver. Um, with Allen Robinson and Brandon Cooks instead of taking Cam Akers, you know, so I could have come away with more of a hero RB approach. Um, the one thing that I did purposely, and I do this a lot, is once I feel comfortable with my receiving core, it's not even so much worrying about quarterback or tight end because I do feel like I could find those those options clearly much better at, at quarterback than tight end. But you see the running backs that I targeted. I didn't take Melvin Gordon. Uh, who was somebody that was in the range of Ramondre Stevenson, for example. I took Stevenson on purpose. Um, I, I'm looking for guys that, you hear me say this a lot, lottery ticket, league-winning upside. If they get the chance to start, they're going to be potentially awesome. How does Melvin Gordon not have that, and Ramondre Stevenson does? I, he, he, he certainly still does, but I'm looking for more of, uh, I guess, age is, is factoring in. Um, and, you know, we also got this report. I, I know it really wasn't more of a news item, but... Uh, Cecil Lamy, who does a great job covering the Broncos, said that Melvin Gordon was running with the fourth group. Um, he did get some first-team first opportunities, but he was behind Mike Boone, and I forget who the third guy was. Um, it was it, 
in his opinion, he's not competing for the starting job. He's competing for the second job. So, you know, like I, for me, I was looking for more younger, high upside guys. Really, it was really just comparing Stevenson and, and Melvin Gordon. I have that. I had them prior to you know seeing that ranked in a similar range. Um, but it's also for me in this format specifically. Uh, the James White injury, I think, will benefit Ramondre Stevenson in a big way as well because I think he'll be working in more on passing downs. Uh, there was also just, you know, in case people are are, are paying attention to it, uh, there was a, apparently a fake news report coming out of New England that Ramondre Stevenson was was taking a lot of first team reps. I don't think that is accurate. I think he got a couple, but uh, clearly he's he's got an opportunity with the Patriots as well. But I, I, I'm a big Ramondre Stevenson guy, so I, I like him. And so the way my team was structured, if I needed more of a Somebody to help me start. I would have looked more at Melvin Gordon because I do think he will be the number two guy and probably you know share not as much with Javante as last year, but still enough. But I, I just like the upside of Stevenson a little bit more for the way my, my team was constructed. And Stevenson has a chance to win the job outright. He could he could be the starter. There's no chance Melvin Gordon's going to be the starter. So you know even if you don't play the lottery ticket game, Stevenson just has a chance to be the the lead running back there. I'd be surprised that happens, but me too. Pleasantly surprised. I, I, I'm going to have a lot of shares. Remind they split when, carries, when does that happen with Belichick? Though? They split carries almost a hundred, almost fifty fifty after yeah. Damian Harris's injury. When they came back, they were almost identical in carries. Um, so. That's why I, I'm terrified of, of whoever ends up going first right now. It's Damian Harris. Damian Harris could be a one-catch-per-game guy yeah. getting 11 carries. That's just I, I almost, awesome. to be honest, I don't know where the market is. They're almost back-to-back for me. And that's what, that's what they were at the end of last season. Okay, so that's Jamie's team. Uh, Dan, talk about your team. What, what went right for your team? And let me, let me read your squad here. You had the third pick and you took Christian McCaffrey and Keenan Allen with your first two picks. And you took Mark Andrews in the third round, which was, a, you know, maybe a steal 20, what 27th overall. And he's going 22nd. So you have Burrow at quarterback. We'll, we'll have to talk about RB two. <laughs> Clyde Edwards, Zelair is your RB two right now with Christian McCaffrey as RB one. Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson and Jerry Judy. And, oh, yeah, you have the Allens. You have Alan Lazard as well. So you have Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Allen Lazard as your flex. Jerry Judy's your, your number three wide receiver, and Mark Andrews is your tight end. Jamie, you got to look at this team. This is a pretty strong team, right? I love the way Dan built this team, you know, and, and this is something, you know, take away Mark Andrews, right? So let's say he went Keenan Allen and Tyreek Hill, or, you know, I don't know who you like in that range, but Michael Pittman, you know, uh, DJ Moore, I don't know if you want to take two Panthers, but, um, you know, whatever, whatever receiver is typically in that range, AJ Brown, if he had fallen, um, it's just incredible, you know? So this is, this is how I, I like to draft for the most part. Uh, you know, I, I think Dan shares a similar philosophy, you know, you have an opportunity to get a star running back and McCaffrey still if healthy is, is the star of stars, um, and go with, with a very, you know, solid receiving core here. And so again, you know, Judy versus Michael Thomas, however you want to shake that out, or some of the other guys I mentioned, Bateman, Mooney, whatever the case may be, you know, th- there's as much upside for Judy as we know. Um, but Allen Robinson could be a, a superstar with the Rams. Uh, obviously, Keenan Allen is tried and true. And to get the tight end on top of it, you know, it's just great job with your, uh, you know, start to your team. Okay, I'll go throw it to Dan in a second to talk about his team, but I just want to sort of give, give the headlines here. So I probably should have mentioned this, but we have one team, and Dan had an early pick. I had a mid pick. I had the sixth pick, and Jamie had a twelfth pick. So third, sixth, and twelfth. 
So different ways to, to structure your team. We've already talked about Jamie's team ad nauseum. Seven running backs, wide receivers, first seven picks. Turned out really good. Uh, for Dan, he definitely waited a while to get his second running back. Clyde Edwards-Elair was his eighth round pick. So Seventh, he, seventh. Seventh? Yeah. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. It I'm sorry. I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> uh, that, so it was his seventh round pick. So I guess my only question is, here you are in round six, and at this point you have McCaffrey, you have Keenan Allen, Mark Andrews, Allen Robinson, and Jerry Judy. You've got your three wide receivers, your starting tight end, and one running back. Uh, in round six, I know you're not going to go quarterback here. You took your fourth wide receiver, which is your starting flex. You took Allen Lazard. Should you have, instead of taking Lazard in round six and Clyde in round seven, should you have taken two running backs there and felt better about your running backs maybe because your, your bench running backs after Clyde and McCaffrey as your starters are Hines and Gainwell. Like I got you, you. Not only did you draft four receivers in your first six picks, you also have three receivers on your bench mm-hmm. uh, in Sky Moore, KJ Osborne, mm-hmm. KJ Osborne, and Josh Palmer. Yeah, you killed me with those. I things. don't think you have enough running backs personally. I, I mean, I, I probably, you know, that's what I would say. What do you think about that? You only have four on your, or you only have four on your roster, yeah. Yeah, this is 100% according to plan for me. Look, I'm at all times going to be playing a wide receiver in the flex. I think at all times in full-point PPR leagues, you should be playing a wide receiver in the flex. Personally, I think in half-point PPR, it's almost the exact same thing. It's a race for me to win the flex. I am trying to win the flex, and I, in my mind, know I cannot do that with any running back drafted after the first or second round. That's just not how you win the flex. It's very rare that those running backs end up being breakouts. Yet you could find some breakouts potentially in a Sky Moore, in an Alan Lazard type, and then right. But like, why? Things- why do you have to take? Why? Why do you have to take that fourth wide receiver so early? Because. I understand because flex is a starting. Yeah, no, position, I get that, but like I, I get back. that, but but obviously you're going to be starting a lot of players from the waiver wire throughout the year. So I'm just wondering if you should have built out the depth of every running back position a little bit more instead of just trying to fill out your starting lineup. But let me ask, let me ask this, Adam. What if same same build instead of and I don't know where he took them, but probably a similar range. Osborne and Palmer are. I'll just go two guys on my roster: Davis Price and Brian Robinson. Um, yeah. Uh, so he still has Sky Moore, right? I'm sorry. I guess I didn't understand. So I, uh, yeah. What like he's saying I, is what I what I agree with with Jamie. My two biggest regrets in this draft are one, not going with those types of running backs later because of my build, and I tried to, but Jamie got a couple of the guys I really wanted. He named them, and then there was a few others that just went a couple picks before, and then I'm sitting on the board, and I'm like. I see a better better chance of breakout with Josh Palmer and, and KJ Osborne and, and the backs that are left at this Me point. Me too. I mean, um, so I, yeah, I, I don't I, agree on, about Osborne. Honestly, but. like we can make a trade because you, you, yeah, those are two exactly. of my favorite guys. Um, you know, I, I say this a lot. You know, I, I see not just potential to be okay options in in their offenses with everybody healthy, but superstar potential, or not superstar, but but star potential if any if injuries an injury occurs yep. and. You know, so those are two guys I target late for sure. And I think like you take one, I take one, you take Davis yeah. Price. You know, we, we, we got a trade that we can make right. happen here and make our rosters a little bit more balanced. Uh, but but to your point, Adam, let me ask you this. If mm-hmm. Dan, because I know it's it's kind of a little bit of a sticking point that it's Edwards Hilaire. Um, he had the option of Miles. Miles Sanders and Kareem Hunt and Chase Edmonds. If yeah. it's one of those guys, do you like it better? Yeah. I took Kareem I Hunt and I'm just, I just like Kareem Hunt this year. I, I 
I think at his value, you know, he went in the seventh well, of course, round here. He's going to catch 65 passes. <laughs> I don't think he's going to do that. But yeah, I, Clyde really scares me. But maybe it's that. Maybe it's just that the running back you took is, is not my favorite. And I don't want to be biased here. Like, I, I'm not the one to say which running back you should be taking there. So yeah, that's a good point. If that had been Miles Sanders or Kareem Hunt, um, that, you know, Maybe I and look, knowing we were doing this podcast today, I was thinking about this draft a lot last night, and I decided on that as my biggest regret, not going Miles Sanders there. I do still have this, I just have this tendency to draft players like Clyde Edwards Alaire, who are in a really good offense, an offense that I think is going to use the running backs a lot more than ever in the passing game due to the loss of Tyreek Hill. I though, but thinking back on it, Miles Sanders has a lot of things working in his favor that you could argue for too. He has and behind the best offensive line in football by far a team that's committed to running the football and there has to at some point be some regression in his touchdown total, right? At some point yeah. he had six carries inside the, inside the five, I believe last year inside the 10 and zero touchdowns. At some point there's gotta be regression there. Okay. So another good build, very strong at wide receiver. And what I ha- want to say this about this build, Adam, before one, one quick thing here. I think whenever you take the tight end high, it, it never ends up looking as good on paper as because no one really ever values. Oh, wow. What is Mark Andrews going to do versus like a Zach Ertz or a Cole Komet? But the weekly advantage of what Mark Andrews can give me, in my opinion, in a PPR league, now that he's getting this incredible target share, at least if it carries over from last year, which I think it will. I think that's where I really that's where it really differentiates itself. This team. OK. All right. And then uh, my team was the sixth overall pick. Dan, you can go ahead and rip my team. It's fine. No, I, 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 no. Look, Adam. We had a long conversation. On the days of me ripping Adam Azer are over. So for those of you who enjoyed it, and I know there were a lot of you, you're not going to get it as much. No, but look, rip Adam, my team. That's there's a difference okay. between ripping my team and ripping me. I never mean to rip you. It's all a joke. I love you, Adam. I know. The I know. Greatest I know. guy ever. But as far as your team goes, just for, um, in a non-ripping way. It is a build that I wouldn't go with ever. It's it's a scary build, but <laughs> it, but it's it, I could never do this. But it's a very scary build in a full point PPR. But look, as Adam said throughout the live stream, and he's right. If this was actually a league we could play out, he could do things with this. If he hits on a J.K. Dobbins in round five, if he hits on a Cream Hunt, now those are massive trade pieces for teams like mine that might have a Christian McCaffrey injury early, and Clyde Edwards sucks again, and now I'm looking at I'm desperate to start a running back. So. I think your team works a lot better if you play out the league, but as it stands now, I just to have T Higgins, Eli Moore, Chris Olave, and Tony as your top four receivers. That just scares the hell out of me in a full point PPR. It's I tell you one thing, if you just did it differently, how, how awesome your team would look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I don't think it's bad. And it's not like this is a, a an, an easy decision to make. If you had taken Justin Jefferson instead of Joe Mixon in round one, yeah. All right. So, so here's what happened, right? I had the sixth pick and I took Mixon and Najee Harris, by the way, fell to what? 11th. Yeah. Um, so I, I decided oh, I'm going to take Mixon over Najee. I didn't expect him to get to 11, but uh, I just, <laughs> I in, the like, sec- <laughs> in the second round, yeah. Cause you had the 12th pick, right? In the second round, Keenan Allen was the top available receiver and Leonard Fournette was on the board. And Andrews, Andrews is there. Yeah. But I, I'll never take Andrews 18th overall or 19th overall. So, I took Fournette because I just thought thought he was a better player in a vacuum than than Keenan Allen, and this was a in three rece- in a blanket. And I said at that point, I was like, "All right, screw it. Let's just go best player available and see what happens." Because that's what I did with my second round pick, and just my second round pick kind of threw things off. Third round, I had to take a wide receiver, and I thought T. Higgins was probably not only the best player available, but a wide receiver. So now I got Mixon, Fournette, Higgins. 
Maybe the fourth round is where I could have changed things. If I had gone with a wide receiver yeah. in the fourth round, I don't think anybody would be complaining about my team. That was when your tilt started because I was watching the live stream. Yeah. And you were you were panicking. You were running out of time. You're like, I'm not going to go Josh Allen here. And then I see the pick is in, and it's Josh Allen. I'm like, this is what he said I'm not going to do. <laughs> and then it led into another tilt with your J.K. Dobbins pick next round. You're like, oh, I'm not going to go Dobbins here. I already have two running backs. Oh, somehow it's Dobbins again. So then you know it was just on full tilt from there. Uh, so I think that was really the Josh Allen thing is where it started to go a little haywire. Yeah, but then again, like I have Josh Allen, you know, right? So Josh Allen you know, was my fourth round pick. Right. J.K. Dobbins was my fifth round pick. I, I ended up not liking my team, but each of my first five, and then what did I do in round six? Was that Elijah Moore in round that six? That was Eli Moore, yep, 67th Each overall. of my first five picks, which were Mixon, Fournette, Higgins, Allen, Dobbins, I like them fine in a blanket or vacuum. Like They were good. But it left me with this gaping hole at wide receiver. A couple things. Like I said now, if I had Alan Lazard over Elijah Moore, I'd probably feel better about it. If mm -hmm. Michael Thomas had fallen two more picks and I had taken him instead of Elijah Moore, I'd feel much better about it. Uh, but my wide receivers are Higgins, Eli Moore, Chris Olave. And then on the bench, I have Kadarius, Tony, MVS, and Van Jefferson. There's certainly some sleeper appeal there. Um, I have Kareem Hunt and and Khalil Herbert as well. And Kareem Hunt is my fourth running back. I can't even start Kareem Hunt. But if we could play this league out, I feel like I took good values. I could make some trades and maybe turn it into a good lineup. But this is what we're saying. You don't want to walk away in a three-receiver league, PPR. You don't want to walk away feeling weak at wide receiver. I don't think I could win with this current roster. I do think I could win if I made one trade and I turned a J.K. Dobbins, who's breaking out, if I turned him into a round three or four wide receiver, or round three, you know, then th everything changes. But, Jamie, what was the I pick that I should— I have a question for you first. Adam, yeah. I have a question for you first. If you had done this mock after you had done the research for last night or for two days ago's episode where you, where you can cover just the massive gap in full-point PPR leagues between those top-end players overall between receiver and running back. I mean, Adam had a really great stat on that. You can go back a couple shows or last show and, and hear it. And if you had known that stat with how just the big gap there is between the top-end scores and PPR receivers or running backs, would, you have, would it have altered your decision or were you, are you still just value hunting at all times? I decided that I was value hunting, you know, so I just want to see how it would play out. Okay. Um, but I will say in a more general sense, what you're talking about is this. In the last three seasons, well, really, I mean, especially in the last two, but in the last three seasons, here are the amount of wide receivers who have finished in the top 36 overall. 19, 24, and 22. Running backs, 14, 10, and 12. So in the last two years, you're talking about 46 wide receivers to 22 running backs finishing in the top 36 of overall scores, not including quarterbacks, overall flex scores. Uh, yeah, that is going to carry a lot of weight with me in full PPR leagues. I mean, wide receivers are crushing running backs, basically. Um, it's, you know, after the first round, I'd say. So it, that should carry some weight. But, you know, again, the problem with mock drafts is you don't get to play it out. Uh, but obviously this team is weak on paper at, at wide receiver. <laughs> Horribly weak at wide receiver. Um, and you, of course, check out all the results. It's much easier to follow if you're looking at it. So so please do that. All right. I think that's about it. Oh, oh no, Jamie. I, my follow-up question was for my team, which pick do you think I should change? Should I take Keenan Allen instead of Leonard Fournette in round two? Or should I take wide receiver, maybe Marquise Brown or Allen Robinson or something like that instead of Josh Allen in round four? I think it's round one, like I said. <laughs> you take Jefferson over Mixon. There's too much uh, There's too much hindsight there. 
Sure. Because I, I, I think, guess I guess as as the draft's unfolding, it's probably right. not taking Allen. Not taking Allen in in yeah, but it, it, you know, it's almost goes back to what Dan said about you know when you take the tight end early. It's the same thing when you take the quarterback early. You know, clearly there's uh there, there's a more likely chance that guys like Herbert and and Mahomes and potentially you know one of the elite running quarterbacks, you know, whether it's Hertz or Jackson or you know, maybe even Trey Lance closes the gap between Allen and everybody else, as opposed to maybe, you know, what Kelsey and Andrews do to the field at tight end. Clearly Waller and, and Kittle and, and Pitts can make that closer, but, you know, we, we, we don't draft it that way. Um, but you should have a huge advantage at, at a at a still a prime position. I you feel know, like, like I'm, I'm not sure. Are you sure about that, though? Because you got Russell Wilson. I got Burrow at 99th overall. You got Russell Wilson, pretty similar range, maybe 10 picks before. Is there a huge gap in your mind between? I Allen mean, and I Russell? don't I don't I don't I don't think statistically there'll be a huge gap. But, you know, at least on paper, there's there should be a gap. And so, you know, like statistically, there may not be a huge gap between Andrews and Pitts. Like you said, you know, you're not taking Pitts in, in round three. But um, but but between Andrews and the ninth or tenth, because we took Russell yeah, no, and Burrow. I, I, see, I see your point. Yeah. I see your point. Oh, um, now as the guy who took Josh Allen, I don't think there's that big of a difference. I, I'm I'm probably not going to have much Josh Allen, if any, uh, because I don't really believe in taking the first quarterback just because you you look at the it was first. Such, it's such it's such great value though for what he what he brings. Yeah, um, I know, but it's just it's just too. Like if you're taking Josh Allen versus the field, you're obviously taking the field, right? And it's just too realistic that the eighth quarterback off the board, the tenth quarterback, finishes top two or three. It just doesn't make sense to me to take Josh Allen unless unless you're staring at the board and you just don't like anyone. And that's just really what happened. I felt like I was reaching for everyone else, so I took Allen. Yeah, I, good- that's that's probably the one that I think if you change, you know, and I don't know the receivers, but I think Mike Williams is available. Sutton, I know Williams, you have Rob, Williams, Robinson, Sutton, Marquise right. Brown. You know, so you have a receiving core of Higgins and one of those guys, and then you come back and, you know, go receiver again. Please. No, no, I'm saying you know, <laughs> Burrow is your quarterback. Burrow or, late, Dak late, yeah, whatever right, it is. Right. Uh, this so, is a good question to end the show from RB. Is drafting for trade a thing? LOL. No, I think he's 100% right in that. We we talk a lot about this on the podcast. We've Every podcast, we're like, oh, we can do some trades. Trading's hard. Some leagues don't do trades at all. you got to know your league mates. So I think drafting for a trade is a thing if you're in a league where it's all your buddies, all your home friends. You're on a text chain and outside of the, you know, the league, you're on an actual like group chat and there and then you have some side chats. Like if you're if you're actively talking with your league, then it's and it's a thing. Sure, but there's a lot of leagues where there, you just can't get trades done very often, yeah. um, and so I, I understand the question for sure. I would never do it. Me too. I'm with you. Same. I would never go in. I'm I'm gonna draft this guy. Oh, I could trade him. You know, like Adam yep. makes the, the comment all the time with with uh, taking the second quarterback, and Dave does it a, a lot with. Oh, I'm gonna take all these running backs and I'll trade them for wide receiver. Right. You might wait a second, just to be clear. I don't draft the second quarterback to trade him. I draft a second. No, but you quarterback. say that though. No, not really. I don't think so. I draft a second quarterback to have a potential breakout in case my first quarterback doesn't work out, or just to keep that potential breakout away from another team. Mm. Um, and that, we're talking a second quarterback, you know, after round ten. Um, that is, I do not draft a second quarterback with the hopes of trading, but I do. I would draft a fourth quarterback in a two QB league to make a trade. I think that is a really good idea. Because those guys are impossible to find, obviously, when there's a quarterback injury. So that's a position of strength. I would never go into a draft going, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna load up on a position and trade." But there have been times where I've pivoted to that, thinking this is my best chance at a winner, just because I've I've missed a run at a position or something like that. That this is exactly what I'm talking about with with the draft we just did. When I took Kareem Hunt, 
it was all right. I think my best chance here is to just be really strong at running back and hope to make a trade in a league that we're not playing out. <laughs> um, but I'd never go into a draft drafting for a trade. I think, I think you're pretty, pretty uh, unanimous on that. All right. Love y'all. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today with a mailbag. See you then. Get your Apple Podcast questions. Later, everybody.